The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at BuffaloRumlinks.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlinks Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlinks Podcast Network. As the Buffalo Bills head into the 2020-2021 postseason, I wanted to remind you that you can always send in your questions for us at 716-508-0405. Voicemails are always appreciated, so you can hear somebody's voice other than mine on the pod. You can send text messages to that number two if you want. Again, 716-508-0405. Tweet us at Rumlings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email us, Rumlings at SBNation.com. You can also send us Facebook messages or Instagram messages at the official Buffalo Rumlings accounts, and those will get to me as well. Just because I've been asked this so many times, uh, I'm going to bring back a segment that we used to do called uh, The Question I'm Getting a Lot. And the question I'm getting a lot this week has to do with wide receiver Kenny Stills. The Buffalo Bills added Stills to their practice squad on Monday following their win over the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. And folks are seeming to think that it has to do with the loss of Cole Beasley. And Cole Beasley is listed as week to week by Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott uh, after injuring his leg late in the week 16 game against the New England Patriots. I don't think that Stills is a plug and go player for Beasley. Um, Beasley is more shifty and quick, whereas Stills has longer speed. Um, he, he He's a deep threat. He has been a lot higher uh, yards per catch average than Beasley over the course of his career. Um, It was harder for me to find like, you know, specific information on, you know, what Stills brings to the table. And I haven't gone back and looked at his film or anything like that. So I would think that they're just adding solid depth and that they're going to keep rolling with the players that they already have on their roster as Stills comes along, but then if they need him, that they can uh, call him up from the practice squad. Uh, One of the interesting notes is that he is on the practice squad, but NFL teams have unlimited practice squad call-ups during the playoffs. They can still only do two per game uh, under the league's COVID rules, but they can do it as many times as they want. So, um, for instance, Dane Jackson was called up twice earlier in the season. Then when they ha- the Buffalo Bills had two players on the COVID-19 list. They were able to call up two players from the practice squad, regardless of whether or not they had 
previously been called up. So that's why you saw Dane Jackson play the most snaps on the defense in Week 17, even though he had already been called up twice previously. It's because Buffalo was able to use that uh, COVID call up for Dane Jackson. And they could do the same thing with Kenny Stills in the postseason every single game if they want to. he was in the COVID protocols all of last week, so he can start practicing with the team as soon as they get going here Tuesday, Wednesday. And um, But still, that's only three days of practice for him uh, before the playoff game, so I don't anticipate he's going to be suiting up. Um, but in my opinion, and again, I don't know this or have any inside information on this, but I think it's a hedge against John Brown getting injured more than it is Cole Beasley. Um, he has that long speed. He's been compared to Brown in the past. Um, heck, he's been compared to Andre Roberts in the past um, for his return ability. But and his, uh, but I think he has more of that longer speed, um, and isn't necessarily a, a candidate to to replace Cole Beasley in the slot. So hopefully, I answered all the questions around Kenny Stills, just kind of right off the bat here. Um, and if you have anything you want to add about stills, make sure you go over to buffalorumblings.com into the comment section of our article. Folks have been talking pretty hot and heavy about it uh, since he was rumored to be joining the team more than a week ago now, I guess. Normally, during the season, we start with our takeaways from the last game. I'm going to save them for the second half of the show and get right to your questions this week. So, heading over to Twitter... Jack Nealon asks us, how much does Jay Taylor scare you considering what he has done so far this year? And I think that piggybacks nicely with this question we got from Ian Carmody about what are the Colts' strengths and weaknesses. Well, for the strengths of the Indianapolis Colts, you have to look at their running game. Uh, They've been really reliant on it, especially down the stretch. Um, And rookie running back Jonathan Taylor has just been absolutely stellar um, coming off you know, the stretch. He had 253 yards against the Jaguars. He's had 741 rushing yards since week 11. So obviously, you know, kicking some butt, that's second in the league in that time frame. The Colts did just lose one of their starting offensive tackles. So, I mean, that's going to figure into that. But the Bills really need to focus on stopping the run. And stop me if you've heard this before, that might be the Buffalo Bills defense's biggest bugaboo. So they're really going to have to focus on that this week. Phillip Rivers has made it his job to stay as clean as possible this year, staying on his feet as he's getting older and making quick decisions. But also that Colts offensive line has just been very, very good at keeping him clean and opening up running lanes. So it's going to really start up front for the Bills this week getting pressure with the front four, but also being able to make their run fits and um, being able to clog those running lanes that the Colts try to open up. On top of that offensive line, Phillip Rivers um, is getting the ball out quickly. So coverage on the back end is going to be important as well, um, especially with uh, yeah the cornerbacks on the outside, but the linebackers in the intermediate area. I think overall the biggest weakness for the Colts is how hot and cold they've run. Just take a look at some of their games this season, and you can see what I mean. Early on, they were the only team the entire season to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That happened back in week one. They lost to a struggling Pittsburgh Steelers team just a couple weeks ago. But then at the same time, they beat the Green Bay Packers, who are the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. They beat the Titans. They beat 
So they've proven that they can hang with playoff teams and beat playoff teams, but they also have some of these kind of weird losses on their schedule. The best thing that the Bills can do is get out to an early lead with their passing attack, um, forcing the ball down the field. They're going to need to be able to stop the Colts' pass rush, which has at times been very good this year, but they're going to have to push the ball down the field. Shouldn't be a problem. We've been seeing them do it all year um, with now John Brown healthy, Stephon Diggs certainly, um, even without Cole Beasley underneath. If you have a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, you can do a lot of things with that uh, passing attack. So I, I expect the Bills to be able to do to be successful in the the passing game, especially you know the intermediate and deep passing game. Ian follows up and asks us if we I believe the offense is going to struggle because it's going to be sub 30 degree temperatures. I'm not really worried about the weather report. Um, it's going to be, I think, in the mid to low 30s uh, during the game on Saturday. It's not supposed to be snowing or raining. I think the Bills offense is going to be able to operate as effectively as it wants, which is probably going to help them. You know, if it was going to be snowy, you might think that the, the Colts offensive line and running back situation would maybe give them an advantage. But I don't think it's going to be that big of a disparity because of the weather on Saturday. Ian sneaks in another question in his comment as well and asks, are the Bills playing the best football in the AFC right now? If not, who's playing better? Yeah, I think they are playing the best football in the AFC. That doesn't mean they're going to go on, you know, this epic playoff run to a Super Bowl championship. They could be stopped any week by any team. But, I mean, on the whole, over the last six weeks since their bye week, they are playing better than any team in the league, which is why you keep seeing them pop up on lists of, you know, who could topple the Chiefs or, you know, who could win the Super Bowl. I think they have the third best odds of winning the Super Bowl right now. Uh, and they're kind of um, the trendy pick because people don't want to pick the Chiefs to repeat. So I, I do think that they're playing the best football in the AFC right now and probably in the league right now. Um, and they can certainly hang with any team and beat any team the way that this offense is clicking. If the offense was playing this well against the Chiefs earlier in the year, the Bills would have won that game. Um, there's no doubt about that. Allen was frazzled during that game, didn't have a great game against the Kansas City Chiefs, but he's been playing great since the bye week, at least. So, um, yeah, thanks for your questions over on Twitter, at RumblingsQ&A. All right, looking a little bit further into the future, at IrishHunter16 asks us, hypothetically speaking, should Brian Dable leave for a head coaching job, would the Bills consider bringing Anthony Lynn back as offensive coordinator? I understand they might hire from within, but what are your thoughts? I'm of the belief that the Bills would promote somebody from within to be that offensive coordinator. Likely Ken Dorsey, who interviewed for the job several years ago before the Bills brought him in as quarterback's coach instead. Uh, he's the most likely candidate. Uh, Chad Hall, the wide receivers coach, is another guy that uh, the, the players really like, and you could see him getting that elevation. But just like the Bills coaching staff has shown a propensity to reward players who play well for them, they're going to want to reward coaches who coach well for them. And you know maybe they do bring Anthony Lynn in. I, I, he doesn't really have a track record with Sean McDermott or Sean McDermott's coaching tree. He just has a track record with the Bills. So I really wouldn't expect that. But you know, you could see him coming in as 
a running backs coach or a run game coordinator or something like that, assistant head coach, although they already have one, with Leslie Frazier on the defensive side of the ball. But I, I wouldn't anticipate that happening. Uh, they they want to promote from within. They want to if they're going to add experience, as you've seen on the defensive side of the ball, they're adding it at position coaches. They added Eric Washington as defensive line coach. Um, they've got Bob Babich as linebackers coach. So they have guys with past coordinator experience um, as position coaches, and and then Leslie Frazier, of course, with past head coaching experience as defensive coordinator. So um, I think Anthony Lynn's going to go to a place where he can be an offensive coordinator and have autonomy, and that would be in Buffalo, but I don't think it, it's the right time in Buffalo's kind of evolution uh, to go to Anthony Lynn as the offensive coordinator. So thanks for that question. We're going to be back after this quick break to talk about the game against the Miami Dolphins, which was super fun. Don't go anywhere. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, and let's talk about that game against the Miami Dolphins. I was one of the people that wanted the Bills to rest their starters. I didn't think there was a whole lot of value in keeping the Bills starters in. Uh, I didn't see... And really what I was saying there is I didn't see a lot of difference between the second seed and the three seed. Um, Especially, I knew that the Steelers weren't going to be playing Ben Roethlisberger and a bunch of their starters. So I was okay with the Bills kind of mailing it in in week 17. They certainly did not do that. And I'm not a person that believes in week-to-week momentum. I think every game is different. I think you can play with confidence, and that's great. But I also think that... you know, inside of a game, even if you come in with confidence, you can get punched in the mouth early and things cannot go your way. Now, the Bills have shown that they can overcome that. I'm kind of rambling right now, but I all that's to say I expected the Bills to rest their starters. That's what I wanted, um, but that's not what they did. Uh, let's talk about my takeaways. Uh, the Isaiah McKenzie game. Holy crap. The Isaiah McKenzie quarter, I guess. In the second quarter, the dude had two touchdown catches and a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, it was really great to see him. He hasn't had three touchdowns in a game since high school. So um, it was great for McKenzie to come in and make such a great impact. Um, I think if Cole Beasley does miss more time, you're going to see more of McKenzie in the slot. And part of that is how he played in Week 17. And them rewarding him with more snaps for that. Sure, he's been great on the jet sweep option stuff. He scored touchdowns out of it, both running and going out into routes from there. But, I mean, he just had such a great game against the Miami Dolphins. And even beyond that, touchdowns. He had six catches for 65 yards, which is a pretty good day at the office for him anyway. Don't get hurt was my next takeaway. Um, I wrote that at the beginning of the game. I rambled about it at the top of this segment when I talked about why I wanted the Bills to rest their starters. Taron Johnson left the game in the first series, and I'm like, oh, no. 
Uh, John Feliciano and Stefan Diggs both had moments where they were slow getting up from hits, and I'm like, oh, here we go. But um, it ended up working out. The Bills didn't leave the game with any real injuries. Uh, Saran Neal left the game in the third quarter, but then came back. Um, so everybody that left the game came back and played in the game, at least to my knowledge. Uh, the only thing we have to worry about, uh, Tyler Croft came off the COVID list. Now the only thing we have to worry about is Cole Beasley and his leg foot thing. So if Beasley is back for the playoffs, it'll be even better. Um, even without it, the Bills are very, very healthy going into the 2020 postseason. Speaking of healthy, John Brown is back. It was really nice seeing them trying to get him involved. I think that's one of the reasons they played uh, the starters so much was to really get John Brown going. Uh, and they definitely were able to do that. He had four catches for 72 yards and a beautiful touchdown grab um, that Josh Allen dropped in a bucket. Uh, he showed off really good quickness. Uh, he had a nice toe drag catch um, in the intermediate area that Josh Allen, again, perfect throw over the underneath defender um, at the sideline, just put it in a perfect place. And Brown caught it, dragged the toe, perfect catch, exactly what you want to see out of the Bills. Looking across the sideline, um, <laughs> I called him Tua Edwards. Tua Tagovailoa just did not have a good game for the Miami Dolphins, and he's not a good quarterback at this point in his career. He dinked and dunked the entire first half. It wasn't until the second half, when the game was really out of control, that he started moving it down the field, and he had some moderate success. The Bills weren't exactly playing super hard at that point, but at halftime, he was 12 of 19. That's great. He had 89 yards. That's only 4.7 yards per attempt. Now, there are some drops that figured into that, but still, even if he was like 14 of 19 for 100 yards, that's still five yards per attempt. That's just not good enough in the NFL. And that's why I've been so excited about Josh Allen since he came into the league. He was always willing to push it down the field and go for the intermediate routes, which are much more difficult. They're a higher degree of difficulty. Um, but we've always seen Allen being able to do that. So two Edwards uh, was my fourth takeaway from the game. And then finally, variety is the spice of life. The Bills scored on offense, defense, and special teams. They had a rushing touchdown. They had uh, receiving touchdowns. They had a punt return touchdown. They had an interception return for a touchdown. Guys from the practice squad were scoring. Backups were scoring. Uh, the starters had 28 points. The backups had 28 points. Man, was it fun to watch that game and see all of it. Oh, how could I forget Matt Barkley going deep over the top? Like, I mean, just some crazy, crazy scores from the Bills. And then, of course, Tyler Bass setting the Bills' scoring record in the game just because he kicked so many extra points. I mean, it was just, it was so great. It was so much fun. And um, watching the Bills score so many different ways um, really bodes well for their future going into the postseason. Um, yeah, it's not just going to be on the offense's shoulders, I hope. Uh, defensive touchdowns, special teams touchdowns, uh, going to be important to you know, get, making it all the way to the Super Bowl and finally winning the big one. With that, I'm going to bid you guys adieu. It's a condensed week. We went from not knowing who we were going to play until, what, Sunday at 7.30, 7.45, uh, all the way until now Saturday at 1 o'clock, the very first game of Super Wild Card Weekend. So you've got plenty of other content coming on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network between now and kickoff on Saturday at 1, and then, of course, after the game as well. 
So make sure you're subscribed and listening to all of the great shows on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. As always, you can call ahead, leave your voicemails for next week at 716-508-0405. Make sure to hit us up right after the game as well. We've got uh, Twitter. Send us your tweets at rumblingsq&a with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. Facebook and Instagram messages will also get to me, and those go to the regular Buffalo Rumblings account. Just so much stuff coming your way before the Colts game. I think we published 25 articles, 26 articles over the course of Sunday and Monday. So just tons of content, tons of great conversation over at buffalorumblings.com in the comments section. Make sure to get over there and participate and hit us up. Go Bills! Thank you.